Hi, I'm Alan Foster and you're listening to the Printism Media UK Print Podcast. So welcome to the first Printism Media UK Print Podcast and today I am delighted to welcome uh, my first guest, Simon Biltcliffe from Webmart, or should I say Dr. Simon Biltcliffe? Yes, you should. <laughs> So, if you would mind, first of all, how are you? I am remarkably well. I am also quarantined in the in God's County, in uh, Barnsley, in Yorkshire, after having a hiking holiday in Mallorca, which uh, gave us the uh, dubious honour of being detained at Her Majesty's pleasure at home. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm uh, so I'm, I'm delighted to uh, see you, even if it is virtual. Yeah. So. Um, if you wouldn't mind for anybody who doesn't know, if you would just introduce yourself, uh, mm-hmm. tell us a bit about yourself and also a bit about WebMap. Okay, so uh, I've been in the printing industry um, since leaving university. I was uh, on the graduate training programme for Maxwell Communications Corporation. That's how long ago that was. And then uh, worked in a plastic card producing part of the BPCC Empire, British Printing and Communications Corporation at the time. And um, so I did a little bit of print. I am not a trained printer, but I uh, worked on a semi-rotary letterpress press and to produce plastic cards. And then I um, was given a sales assessment course and I I apparently was a good salesperson, never had any sales training or anything like that. But they then got, uh, decided to elevate me to selling web offset and gravure for Purnell's and uh, all of the kind of big produ- uh, East Kilbride where uh, mm-hmm. Alan used to work. Um, and then I gr- through the time, uh, I became um, group, the sales director for the commercial web offset sites so that was covering eight sites, 27 web offset presses. And um, I was doing 65,000 miles a year in my uh, company Honda Aero deck and realized actually this re- it wasn't uh, the best thing to do with two young kids and a, uh, and a big mortgage. So I set Webmart up as a print management company, a specialist web offset print management company in 1996. So we're coming up to our 25th anniversary. And I, you know, I think what is probably of most relevance to this is that obviously if we hadn't have pivoted and evolved and adapted to the changing marketplace we'd have been dead many yeah. years ago yeah. um and so the, we over time we have evolved so we brought in a, a, a guy called lee smith who was a specialist in uh, point of sale uh, so we added that to our bow and then we brought in uh, direct mail and we brought it to so broaden out our portfolio from web offset to sheet fed to point of sale to direct mail. so we broaden the portfolio and of course that that is now uh, moved upstream and downstream from there to offer a much broader range of services and I'm sure we'll come on to that later but you know we've we, we've uh, I run a Marxist capitalist business, which is slightly different um, from most in that um, we use the, the value that the team creates to redistribute it back to the team. We, we retain profits in the business so we never have to borrow money and that gives us freedom. It gives us complete and utter freedom to do what we want, to test things, to try things, to, you know, because we've got no outside uh, 
investors, no outside yeah. shareholders, and that gives us quite a lot of freedom to fail. And failing is important because that's you know you learn from each failure and to to work the way through. So we're now at um, you know 24 years in. We've got 5.6 million pounds in the bank. We've got a profitable business even now, um, and uh, we are constantly evolving the offer in line and ahead of what the marketplace uh, is wanting. And so I'm sure we'll we'll cover that on. We're about 20. Three million turnover, and there's 45 of us, just to give a kind of idea of yeah. uh, the uh, the size of the business. Based in Barnsley and um, in in Bicester, although of course, right here, right now, we're based all over the bleeding world because there's nobody in the office, and uh, so we're all distributed. And here I am in my uh, home office in Barnsley. Yeah. So obviously, we can't avoid the subject um, COVID. Coronavirus, whatever you, you choose to call it, how has that affected, um, first of all, you personally, um, apart from being quarantined um, at the minute, and Webmart as a business? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, when we set up the East Kilbride office, which you used to be uh, based out of, um, it made me realise, and this is going back many, many years when Neil Moffat came on board, that we, we needed to develop at our type back then, and this is 20, I don't know, 20 years ago, whatever, there was no online CRM that you could use. So we had to develop our own CRM system um, so that we could work distributed. You know, So we've always had cloud-based applications. So when this came about, we closed the office a week before lockdown. So one week ahead of lockdown, we closed it, everybody moved out. Everybody picked their monitors up, their docks up there, whatever, and walked out. It was like the world's most genteel ram raid. Everything just disappeared out of the office. And the only thing we had to do was upgrade the VPN, um, which we did, and it's worked seamlessly. And with the exception of the um, interpersonal osmosis of kind of picking up ideas and chatting with things, and, and the, obviously the human contact of, of people, it's... It, it, it's there hasn't been a change yeah. um, because, you know, we, we've always had people work from home and we've all, you know, some full-time, some part-time uh, or on site. So that, that really hasn't changed. Obviously there's been, you know, when, when you look at a order board that exits 80% of your forward loading on a couple of days, because everybody's saying we're doing nothing. And then it's like, Oh my God. Um, so that, that was a bit of a challenge. But I have to say, um, coming out of this, it will be a very different world in the way that we work. You know, would we buy a yellow shed of Wonderment, which is the office in Bista, and uh, do that now? Probably not. No. You know, you, you wouldn't need to. And if you look at the cost, we, we worked out, give or take, it costs about a quarter million pounds a month to run Webmart. Um, and if we, you know, we, we've identified around about £50,000 of savings that we can do by doing it this way you know you're yeah. traveling entertaining you you know you're all this kind of stuff the overheads of running a, a, a unit and all this kind of, you know there's the significant savings that that goes for, with our model through back to the team yeah i mean do you think it's changed forever or do you think we'll go through maybe six months and then start to slip back into the old ways I think there'll be some things that will slip I, I wouldn't say slip back i think it'll be enhanced people like people yeah. You know, we all in sales. We all say people buy people first. 
Now, if you can get across, uh, and I've done some really good calls. I mean, I've also done some really dreadful ones on on video, but then again, it's the same in real life, isn't it? You get, you, you know, the, the, the advantage yeah. is I can have a marketing director. I mean, I'm, I'm furloughed now. Um, so I'm just doing scoping stuff. I'm not doing work things. I'm doing training, personal development. I'm learning a huge amount of stuff. Um, I'm not actually working, but if I need to get hold of somebody to learn something to do my personal continual personal development, it's a piece of piss. It used to be get it in the uh, you know my diary used to be like Tetris. Um, you know, for next four weeks ahead, I had Lisa micromanaging it to get everything in to do this, and I was driving about thousand miles a week to see people, and I, I love seeing people. But now it's a doddle. You know, we can just arrange through this and I use Calendly, as you know, to uh, let people self-create, you know, appointments in your diary that see when I'm free, when I'm not free. Uh, and it just allows us to have a significant amount of um, opportunity to see more people. The, yeah. It is remote, but you can see more people. And I was on a call to, for a couple of hours yesterday about a whole new concept of stuff which will take us forward a... Uh, a, a, another leap and a bound, I feel. Um, well, I would never have been able to take that call that day and have two hours of doing it. I mean, I, you know, it would have been a month down the line and nothing happens in that month. Yeah. So the pace of change will get faster. Um, so I think it'll be a lot more of this. So you're up in, in Glasgow, I'm down, down in Barnsley. Usually we wouldn't be doing this kind of thing. We'd be, you know, well, let's go and see. When, when, when I'm next up in Scotland or when you're next, let's meet up. But now you can do it like that yeah. and that won't change i genuinely think that won't change uh, some things will go back you know pe meetings you'll have more meetings face to face but we won't be doing that until we've got a vaccine because actually sitting behind i mean as when you were in spain and i was in spain everyone's walking around with masks on you know yeah. it's, it, it, you know if, if we have to <laughs> if you have to do that in a meeting it's a, this is better than sitting there with somebody going like that and you, you just you know, looking at the crinkle of their eyes to see whether they're happy or sad. You know, you can't, you know, it, it, oh, there's no benefit of that. So I do think that I'm hoping this element stays and the pace gets faster. And I, you know, what you tend to look at, if you look at innovation, the time, you know, it's called Parkinson's law, the time expands to fill the, uh, the, sorry, the work expands to fill the time allowed for it. If you set yourself very small, amounts of time like an hour or in two days you come back with something yeah you, you will do it and uh, what what i tend to think is that there's quite a lot of time between stages on projects and nothing happens when if you've got two weeks between now and a meeting you're still only you know you it won't actually be better in two weeks time than if you said in two days time or let's say this afternoon yeah um, because oh, you you just focus more and that and that really helps the speed of innovation um, going forward. And I think those that adopt that approach, I always remember a mate of mine, Jed Shields, he was the uh, marketing director of uh, Ronseal. And he was, uh, he was marketing director when they came up with the strap line, it does what it says on the tin, which is now coming to you know, modern day policies, yeah. what everybody, everybody said, brilliant, brilliant guy. And he said, he always remember when he was a grad, uh, uh, trainee, he went to his uh, marketing director with a proposal, and the guy said, yeah, re rejigged it and said, when, when, when can you come back to me with, with uh, 
with, with the, the revise and he, he, he got his diary out and looked and said, I'll, he said, no, 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 don't look at your diary. Look at your fucking watch. And, 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 I, think, and I think that's, that's the change that will happen. That quantum between days and weeks and what have you to hours or a few yeah. days. But that, and that, that if, I, I find that kind of thing very exciting. As long as you do it within a cogent framework, you're not just going off and rounding motion to do all sorts of stuff. But if you've got a focus on it and you've got to actually innovate and you can come up with new and clever concepts, and I think that will stay. How easy are you finding it uh, now that you're, you're in furlough is to have stepped back from the business and having a day-to-day involvement? Well, one of the things I, you know, having run it for 25 years, uh, one of the things that I, I realised at 55, um, my insight to the average client of Webmart is not that of a 30-year-old, which is our customer base. Um, and so it was important to, you know, for succession planning and also the evolution of the uh, value proposition, as in what we sell. It was important that uh, I vested that to people who are akin to the, the, the demographic of the customer base. Yeah. Um, so instead of me being this great wise beardy weirdy who knew everything kind of thing back in the day and all this type of stuff, it's really important to uh, give uh, the opportunity um, and a crisis is a great time to um, reappraise things. So um, just before we went into furlough, uh, Richard Boone, who you know, who had been with us for 13 years, uh, stepped up into the managing director role. Uh, so I'm now, I've, as I was before, founder, founder and uh, CEO, but I needed somebody to take on the redef- redefining of the business going forward. And so he's stepped up and uh, taken that on. Uh, the first thing he did was furlough me, which is uh, fantastic. Um, so, uh, which, which actually is fantastic because A, it, it proves that I'm uh, dispensable, and I am, um, but it also gives me a space to write my book, which I've been trying to do for ever. Um, and I've now done the first draft of that, the Marxist Capitalist Revolution, the effectively kind of thing, working title. Um, and uh, it's been really interesting to see how quickly we can change and evolve build on the heritage of what we do and we love print you know we love the print industry we love all of this kind of stuff and that's really important we want to keep that at our core but we need to build services on top of it and there is there is a way forward and of course if we stuck as i said two or three times if we'd have just stuck with what we did last year we'd have been bust you know there's no two ways about it you that, that ability to try try things uh, not everything you try will work out but that doesn't mean you have to then retrench and stick with your knitting i mean both the company that you and i w- both worked for which evolved into polestar uh, and was a hugely successful company in its in its day is now no more and all they did was rationalize and rationalize and rationalize it didn't innovate and uh with rare recurrent you know rare things like viking which was a, a good demographically uh, child data-driven uh, marketing thing well ahead of its time and if they'd have built on that they'd still be here they'd be grow, you know massive but they didn't yeah. um and as a consequence of that then uh they're, they're dead 
and there in the annals of history. And those, I mean, you know, the, um, last week, some I think a high-profile thing that most people will be aware of the, was that the Argos catalogue is no more. Yeah, totally. And uh, I mean, mm. I remember I've I, <laughs> I put that, uh, Gail, who used to work at. Uh, at uh, Pulsar, and then I posted back, you know, I've seen it printed gravure at Purnell's, I've seen it bound at Artisan, I've used to print the uh, inserts that went in it at GHP Web Offset, um, and uh, Chroma Works did the covers, and all of those four companies are no longer. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that, it, it, it's the natural evolution, you know, it, it, we can all decry it, and there's forever there's been overcapacity in this industry. You know, even if there hasn't been, there has always been over, you know, in our mindsets. Yeah. So we always blame competition. We also blame price. We always, but actually, there's been a dearth of innovation in this industry. If you look at the, the before, take outside COVID, you look at what has happened in every other industry. There's been quantum changes. And we have been actually sitting there thinking, we'll be all right. You know, there'll be... Uh, It'll, it'll come back to what, yeah. what it will, and it will never come back, and it cannot ever come back. And what I suppose the only the, the, the advantage of COVID is that everybody is reappraising the way they do things at the same time. We've never had this, and we will never have this again um, in, in, in our commercial lifetimes, uh, where every company that we are trading with, every company that we know well supply side and client side are having to relook at the same time as how they go to market what they go to market with what channels they're using to go to market and in that period of, of flux there is a huge opportunity for us as a printing industry to add new value already they trust us with their brand because otherwise they couldn't do that so you know we're brand custodians already they trust us with their data so we are data custodians for them and working obviously within GDPR regs and all that stuff. So we, we're, you know, and they're entrusting us with big chunks of money because print is expensive. Yeah. So, you know, those are, if you look at a Venn diagram, most people would love to be where the printed industry is as a trusted partner with yeah. their, their people. But, you, but that isn't enough. You know, we need to then drive new value to our customers by offering things that they will now need that they didn't necessarily think of uh, they would be needing a year ago. So things like e-commerce sites, now I know it's a, it, it's a leap, leap forward, but there's loads of stuff that you can do in shop, uh, you know, Shopify skins and all this kind of stuff we can offer. Um, for us, we're not really going, a, a lot of companies go down the design route, adding design services into it, which is really important. Um, it's not really something we've decided to go down, but for us, data has been the thing that we have uh, invested uh, significantly in uh, increasing our data capability, our understanding of data, our strategy. So we, you know, if, I were, if people say, you know, now, what do you do? Yeah, when you go into a customer, what do you do now? What do you, what do you sell if you're not selling what you used to sell? Yeah. We go in and we sell four things to them. We, we look at their client acquisition strategy how do you find more customers like your best clients and quite often a number of customers don't actually know what their best clients look like so you can drill into the, that data side of it and help them redefine the segmentation of that 
You then look at your existing customers, how do you sell most of them and more frequently? So recency, frequency and value analysis. There's the two revenue streams that you're talking about. Then last, people who haven't traded with you for a while. What, what, what can we do to reactivate and then and keep them uh, activated? And then lastly, we look at the net promoter and the referral economy. Because word of mouth is a great way of acquiring new customers into that. So there's four different programs, if you like, that we would look to engage with customers at a strategic level um, to understand more about their their journey and what they're wanting to do with their customers. And then as an output from that is a range of products and services that you know we as a as a business can help them with. We can project manage for them, we can do the analysis for them, and we can obviously do the, the execution in, in digital or print form. So how are your, your sales guys finding that then when they're going a, a customer, a potential customer, and they used to just be in speaking about catalogues or magazines or whatever, but now has it made their life easier because they can, it's, it's, it's less of a focus on one product or has it made it trickier for them? I think it's very different. I mean, if I was to say, you know, from when you uh, were working uh, with us, um, our, the average age of the, the new business sales team is 27. Um, so very different demographic. The, the people that we've got now doing new business did never went in to speak about magazines and specifications. In fact, the, the moment that you talk about a press, you're dead. No. You're just, you, you just, it never comes anywhere near the conversation. And the, the, the way that we are selling it is, a, it is 180 degrees away from, give me a spec and I'll give you a price. Yeah. Uh, you, you, there is no future in, in that. And if somebody wants to do simply that, I've got a specification, I do that, then in reality, we're not the people for you. We want to co-create with you a better way of doing it and understanding the psychology behind what it is that you're trying to deliver, because then we can add unique value and we can, you know, not just you know, re-engineer the product, but we can redefine the approach quite often using the case studies that we've got, the experience that we've got, what we know what return on investment you can get from doing a variety of different things in different market segments, etc. But it's a, it's a totally different, you know, it, back in the day, I used to go into people and be explaining about the difference between short grain and long grain and how we could do this and we can spine glue that and we can do this. And that, that was great in them days. Because when I was talking to people, that, that's what the customer then wanted to speak about. Yeah. But now you go into, if I brought that up with, you know, the vast majority of, of people that buy print offers, then um, they just w wouldn't understand. I mean, I, it takes me back. And I did a speech in uh, Portugal to the um, European Envelope Manufacturing Association. <laughs> uh, it was a, I mean, I'll tell you what. It was, <laughs> I know, it's, it's a, a living the dream. It was actually a very, a very nice event. But um, the, 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 I use the uh, title of my speech was something that a marketing director who'd been using us for a number of years said to me after we'd done X amount of millions of packs for it. And, uh, and so what my, the title of this uh, speech that I did to the European Envelope Manufacturing Association was, what the fuck is a C5? Because this guy had given us loads of orders from direct mail and da 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 da. And, he, and at the end of, we'd done a review meeting on this, and he just put it in the side and said, 
just remind me again, what the fuck is a C5? And, and you know, that, that's the, if you like, the paradigm shift from where we were, being yeah. successful, selling print and products and whatever, through to where we need to be now. Because actually people do like our product. That's one advantage that we've got. And it has got huge comparative advantages in the modern marketing mix with digital. It really, really has. But the way you sell it needs to be sold against a digital solution. You need to be talking in digital terminology, digital marketing. This is not digital print, digital marketing things. So you're looking at our return on investments. You're looking at dashboards. You're looking at how you can get the cut through. You look at, you know, how do you use the, the data that you've got to deliver the most appropriate personalized document to the client and why are you doing it? You know, what are you trying to get out of that? And then capturing that and take, feeding it back into a spiral of ongoing engagement for that customer um, with their customers, rather than a piecemeal kind of campaign and you're pitching for a campaign and those kinds of stuff. It's a much more strategic relationship that you have with them. And going back to your original question about, you know, how do your salespeople find it when they used to do that? The truth is we have got no salespeople that used to sell print selling our services now to customers because that leap is incredibly difficult. Yeah, It really is. And if you're hardwired into selling tangible product and you love it, it's, it's amazingly difficult unless you've got that mental agility and you're commercially curious to go into that new world and have to invest a lot of time in it and and it's not only in print that this is the case if you look at mercedes-benz as a good example of a world-class company they have had to lay off 40,000 ice internal combustion engine uh, engineers um, because they cannot retrain these into electrical engineers the skill set is totally different so, you know, bear in mind, that is what they've prided themselves on in the first hundred years of their living, is making the world's best, in their mind, um, you know, internal combustion engines, diesel, petrol, whatever. And now they've had to make a complete quantum shift to electric power and eventually hydrogen and all that. But instead of sticking with the people that they've got and retraining them into that, they've got to look at, it, they, it simply, it, it's near impossible. I would yeah. have to say. And, and the new guys coming in are, like you say, they're probably 27 years old and, you know, starting from scratch type thing. Uh, absolutely. And they, but they've got, they've got no baggage. They yeah. love the product. I mean, they love the product, but they don't need to know. It's like, you know, when I, I bought an electric car, I haven't even looked at its engine. I've got no idea what the fuck goes on under there. But all I do know is that it is an amazingly different and better, in my mind, uh, proposition than getting another car with it where you have to fill up the tank yeah. and and so they're a bit like that they love the, the they love the 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 tactility of it and they they completion they get real buzz out of doing it and actually their customers don't uh, you know our customers and they don't need to know how it's done we've got great people who do know about the the the, the, the mechanics of it and you know experts as you know in in all of these uh categories of for buying and, and what have you but when they're in front of a customer, they're not talking about print, they're talking about the communication channel of what it's trying to achieve, the return on investment, the strategy, the approach, the granularity of the data. They're looking at the demographic tagging, they're looking at the geo data, they're looking at what channels 
that they want to work both digitally and analog to yeah. approach that customer to deliver a better return on investment to deliver the client's strategy with their customers mm-hmm. and that's a world away yeah yeah so um if i'm a managing director of a b2 printing company right now and uh you're coming in to see me and uh I'm asking you the question, where do, where do we go from post, so six months time, post COVID, when hopefully we're all back up and running normal, um, what kind of advice would you be giving that type of uh, print company? Uh, I think the, the important thing is to get out and see your customers and understand, and actually uh, with a clear sheet of paper, don't for heaven's sake try and sell them what you used to sell them because it's, you know, just say, look, what's your biggest challenge? Yeah. And then th- work it in association with partnerships are amazingly important. And this is where trust and transparency and what have you, which isn't something the print industry is renowned for, should we say, um, of, of sharing and, and what have you. But that really does. You can't afford to buy the people you need to sell the services. The fact, you know, you, data analysts are like gold dust, even now. Um, and you, you know, and if, as a printing company, if you if you went to the, you know, somebody who was a data analyst, say, listen, we want to sell you services. Can, you know, can you come, can come in? They'll be like, why? And, you, and then they'll be talking numbers that you'll be like, oh, I'll buy a new press with that, you know, type thing. So, it, but you can partner with people if you identify with your customers, with your top customers, what they need in this new world, and then find people to work with, and then you go in with them, you can still invoice, you know, and you still have that, that kind of thing, but you have to have a trusted partner that you partner with to deliver that. And then you, you're going on the Voyager discovery together. You're learning, you're embedding that expertise in your customers uh, with that interaction. And so partnership is collaboration, not competition, is the only way forward, to be honest, and work with people you can trust. And yeah. that, that is critical um and you won't you know people say well i do you know to trust them well to be honest i've always said you trust them from day one and they will very quickly either live up to that in which case you've got a partner really quickly or they'll try and fuck you really quickly in which case you know you never deal with them again yeah really quickly but that's the only way to uh, actually deliver a scope a different product line without the investment that none of us really can afford and then over time, when you've proven the case, then you can see whether you in, you, you're on board that expertise within your organization or not. But that, that's really the only way I can see as a B2 printer making this journey. And yeah, you've got a beast to feed. I, I, get, I totally get that. And, that um, and it is, you know, it was a massive relief for me when I got away from selling capacity. You know, it, it, at, uh, at in my, you know, in Polestar, you know, yeah. it, uh, because then my focus can be completely on what my customer needs and coming up proactively with things that they need and hopefully being ahead of the game. Um, and therefore, it, they tell you where you need to go rather than us coming up with grand plans that might not actually work. And, you know, we've had our fair share. I have had my fair share of, I know what, this will yeah, be brilliant. Tomorrow the world. And then you actually, you go in there and, and, you, and you show it to people and they go, that is fantastic, that is brilliant. What you don't, what I've never done 
and which is what I learned you should do is a conditional contract. Say, well, if you love it that much, if I deliver that, would you commit to that? Yeah. Because that's a very different kind of conversation. Oh, well, I'll have to, um, you know, then I'll have to see. But then that stops you um, to go off on a fool's errand, as I've done many times, uh, going, fucking hell, you know, this is eureka. And then you come, yeah. you, you come back and you've put a load of money into it, and then they go, oh, well, the world's changed or whatever. So con conditional contracts are quite an important thing, client side. If they've got trust, they trust you. They will give you a conditional contract. Say, if I deliver this to you, would you do that to, to me? And mm -hmm. if they if they don't say yes, then you have to wonder whether they either you've got the relationship you need, yeah. or that they they actually really need it. And that that's a, a good starting point to to validate what you're offering um, as a as a printer. But the, you know you know your customers better than anybody else, and wrap yourself around your customer. That's the only the only thing. And uh, you know it. We, we all know you're having chats, I'm having chats with people, um, you know, on the QT. Um, and we know that there is a tsunami of pain um, about to ensue the next 90 days. So now is a good time, though, to chat to all of your customers that you can possibly do to uh, find out what they are thinking is yeah. their future approach to the market, you know, to what you used to do uh, on your presses. You know, will there will be uh, some with some of your customers? Unfortunately, they won't survive. With some of your customers, they will have had a fantastic COVID, and um, and just understanding where the future lies with them strategically, and again having those conversations at a strategy level, not at a tactical level, is really important. You know, yeah. so this and this is where that multi-level relationship. Stepping back from it, isn't it? It is, and, and and stepping up. You know, if you've got a relationship with a marketing manager, that person may not be there in two, two or three months' time. Whereas the ownership group is probably going to be. Yeah. So it's punching up. It's getting at the top is really important because then you you know you've got a much greater insight, but also you've got much greater. Uh, uh, visibility of what the actual future holds rather than what necessarily uh, you know people who are in, in the middle level of an organization might actually not know what the uh, the future holds for them personally or for their organization um, so uh, aim high and and get hopefully build on the trust that you've already got with your customers and then when you've gone around you know virtually like this or physically if you can get to it but whatever you do or on a, you know on a trusty nokia uh, then um, you know just just get and have a chat with them and, and a proper deep and meaningful chat friendly but insightful find out what you do so when you synthesize that together it will give you a steer of where your organization your business uh, needs to go uh, going forward and it you know you may want to go on that journey you may not want to go on that journey but at least you know the journey that you you need to go on uh, yeah. to be relevant in three to five years time yeah right okay thank you very much before you go um barnsley you're obviously back living there and i just i looked this morning escaped relegation on the last fucking day of the season i tell you what it, i mean it was at brentford and the clark Adore in the uh in injury time we'd been in the relegation zone for 311 days <laughs> We got out of the relegation zone in injury time on the last game of the uh, season. Yeah. It was unbelievable. 
and it's really interesting. I mean, we have got one of the, if not the lowest budget in the Premiership. Sorry, Premiership, my dream, uh, Championship. Nice, nice and uh, <laughs> well, you never know. Um, and we've got the youngest squad. You know, we've got kids. And uh, the first half of the season, it was, it, it was like a, a watching a school playground. Honestly, it was Chaos. painful. And, um, and they had no leadership on that. You know, we, we sold all our best players and we reinvested in, we brought 12 new players in, of which only two had ever played in the championship. And they had only paid, played for, I think it was 12 minutes in total in the championship. I mean, this is, you know, bringing boys to a gun, you know, to, to a man's game. Yeah. But in the end, we, the, the spirit of the team, and the quality and, and Callum Styles, who I sponsor, you can see up there in my uh, top left hand, right hand corner, depending on which you do, um, it was absolutely fantastic. They, the, the whole team galvanised together. And I think that, that the analogy of uh, that in a business, bringing your talent and develop them as quickly as you possibly can. And now is as good a time as ever. If you can find uh, talent of any age, but you know, in particular, uh, the young people are having a really tough time of it. So you can punch above your weight in terms of getting the, the calibre of people that you can evolve going forward and take take your business to the next level. It's a great time to do it. Uh, and looking forward to, to get the right type of uh, people into your organisation to uh, survive and prosper in the future. Brilliant. Well, Dr. Simon Bilkoff, thank you very much for your time and your insights. And, My uh, pleasure. Thanks for listening and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, comment and share.